Hi everyone, it's Okazar from SEO Sly. This is SEO podcast by SEO Sly. Today I have a special guest. This is Mark Williams Cook. I have been following Mark for a long time. I've been using his tool, also asked also for a long time. So I am very happy that I have Mark today here to hopefully share his SEO story in detail and talk more about his his tool and his uh, agency. So Mark, how are you doing? Really good. Thank you. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Olga. That's awesome. So for someone who may may not know you, can you like briefly introduce yourself in addition to what I've said? Yes, certainly. Uh, so as you said, my primary role is I'm director at an agency called Canda, uh, which is based in the east of England. Um, I'm running a SaaS tool called Also Asked. Um, and as part of Canda, we have some other businesses as well. So we've got like a UK e-commerce pet business we run. I've been doing SEO for around about 20 years, give or take. Oh. Um, most of that's been agency side, uh, although the roots of that were kind of like, I think many people that got into SEO that long ago, building my own sites, affiliate stuff, all that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, lots of agency things over the years, um, oh. but now pretty diverse in what I have to do day to day. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So let's go to the very beginnings of your SEO story. So 20 years. So you started doing SEO like as soon as you were born or something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, <high> unfortunately, <laughs> I'm 40. So. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. So 20 years ago, yeah, um, I was very much um, out of school. So I didn't um, actually go to uh, university or anything. Uh -huh. um, like that so in in the UK we have a thing called a levels which takes you until you're about 18 um which my dear didn't particularly enjoy and and kind of left and just got any job like kind of many people that age um I had been building websites though I think the first website I put live was when I was about 12 or 13 oh. um so that would have been around 1996 maybe 1997 so I'd learned some html um and put I think it was like a joke website <laughs> uh -huh. um live and then I was always interested in computers so when I got to I think it's around 18 I actually built um a website for the city I was in around uh like local music so there was uh, well, there wasn't actually that many kind of bands that I wanted to see in the city um, I was in. So we built this website to try and essentially organize bands to come and play in Norwich, where, where I grew up, um, as well as local bands. And back then, it was really hard to even do simple things like have a forum. You needed to be quite, um, you know, technical to yeah. set up a forum. So what I started doing was all these local bands that had their own little websites I was offering them space on our community site and giving them a forum where they could come and talk. So without realizing it, I was doing things like building links from all these relevant sites that were linking to me and were getting more traffic. Um, and where the SEO thing started was um, this website had uh, like an Amazon affiliate store plugin. You could just basically put everything that was Amazon onto your website as a store. And I would ask people to support the site um, to, if they shop on Amazon, just to shop through our store. So we got commission. And then one day I noticed we were earning like 40, 50, 60 pounds a day commission through the site, which for me back then was a lot of money. 
And I was like, how is this happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and we are actually selling uh, one particular DVD player every single day, or like three or four of them. Um, and then I had a friend come and help me look at analytics. I think it was AW Stats at the time I was using. It was pretty Google Analytics. And we saw the traffic was coming from Google. And what we discovered was we were actually ranking number one in Google above Amazon for a, a product on their site for this DVD player. So people were coming uh-huh. to our shop and buying it. And that really started my questioning of, huh, how does that work? Why did Google choose my website over the others? So um, that's when I then started to learn about search engines. Um, again, around then, there wasn't really any courses. There wasn't really any books. So it was spending lots of times on forums um, like SitePoint. Uh, digital point um, forums like this, just learning from uh, other people, and then um, started actually building my own sites. You know, found out about things like Google AdSense that you could make kind of money that yeah. way, um, and that's kind of what started my own investigation, if you like, my own learning into SEO, which was just building lots of different sites, and then I started doing affiliate marketing as well. Um, started an SEO blog. Um, not existent anymore and actually released some some of the I think were some of the first kind of SaaS SEO tools so I had like a link building SaaS service mm-hmm. that was fully automated um, yeah and all that happened in about four or five years before I got my first agency job um, which was a brilliant move uh, because I was surrounded by lots, lots of people that were basically smarter than me and really knew what they were doing so I had some kind of structured uh, learning really started from the bottom there, um, which was the the first agency I was at just had me sitting there doing like directory submissions, <laughs> just uh-huh. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds on a, on a spreadsheet, um, which I suggested maybe we should just get someone else to do them because uh-huh. um, that stuff really worked at the time. Um, but then, yeah, just kind of worked my way up in that agency, um, got more experience, got to work with lots of clients and one thing I really liked working agency side was getting an insight into how all these different businesses worked um you know because again I didn't really have any experience so suddenly seeing kind of behind the curtain of quite big companies and how their website operations were running um was a massive learning curve so I was really lucky that I think I made that transition to be around those people um because doing the affiliate stuff was great I had a period after this that I kind of supported myself again doing just affiliate stuff and ad sites um and to be honest I got really lonely doing it um Uh so I'd be sitting at home like you know oh I hope that pigeon comes back (laughs) and uh you know all my friends were kind of at work in the time I was free and I was working a lot in the evenings and night um so yeah I went back agency side just because um I think it was just healthier for me in in all kinds of Uh ways so how many in how many agencies have you worked? That's a good question. Not not that many. Uh I think five is five. Uh-huh. So I, I I joined one now defunct. Uh first one was called Zoom Zoom. And then I've worked at a couple of the larger UK agencies. Um I was I was really lucky. I joined uh, an agency in Norwich uh fairly early on in my career called Further. They got acquired by Gravity Global, but within a couple of years they took me onto their uh director team and then I learned Mm -hmm. a lot there from their leadership about just running um an agency 
Um, so essentially, it was a really good skills match because the people running the agency had come from like a more traditional um, marketing agency um, and didn't actually know that much about SEO. Whereas I came just knowing loads of things about SEO, but nothing about business and actually nothing actually about marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really fortunate that I got to work with very experienced marketers, which kind of rounded off my skill set. Because um, I think it's very easy to, if you grow up in SEO, if you like, for want of a better phrase, to not actually think that much about marketing. Um, but of course, the, the lines between the two, especially now, yeah. are, are very, very blurred, you know, that SEO kind of is marketing. Whereas, again, back then, it was kind of like, there was the marketing people, and then there was the SEO people over there, and they didn't understand really what each other did. Um, so yeah, that that was a really good start for me. I was there for about five, six years um, uh-huh. before I left there. Had a little break uh, to become a scuba diving instructor in Egypt. Oh, um, nice. And then came back to the UK, um, tried at a couple of other agencies before um, I actually joined Canda, which was seven or eight years ago now. Um, so there's three of us now leading Canda, which is a team of 26 currently. Uh-huh. Okay. 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 I thought you were the one who created Candor. No. So um, what happened with Candor? So Candor was originally called Applin Skinner uh-huh. um, and it was run by a couple of chaps that I knew anyway through, I'd actually previously worked with them both. And they were just a design and build agency. So like doing really good designs and, and web builds and they wanted to do some digital marketing and I was at an agency where I'd been given a leadership role but it wasn't really panning out for me they weren't kind of giving me what they said they were going to um so they actually approached me and just basically said do you want to come on as an equal partner and essentially build the kind of marketing function in Apple and Skinner I was like yeah sounds like a great deal and I know the the people so I trust them which is really important for me um, so I set up kind of the SEO and initially we did PPC as well, um, side of the business. Um, and then after I think probably two, about two years, we completely rebranded as Candor cause our, our shift focused, um, one of the directors decided to leave. So it was me and John, it's now me, John and Jessica. So we had someone else in the team that we took on as a director. Um, but we refocused and were more upfront with our you know, we're doing search engine marketing and design and build. So you could say I founded Canda in that sense of the, you know, um, in terms of the new brand, but technically the legal entity of the company existed um, before me and I, I came on to build that side of the business. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, cool, cool. So when was it? Uh, for how long have you been in Canda? Uh, Canda's about seven years now. Uh-huh, so and can years. you talk about some of the like changes you brought like more more in more detail about the changes you brought to candor and why 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 the name candor <laughs> yeah oh. right so <clears throat> um the main thing was obviously we didn't have anyone doing any kind of seo or anything when i joined so that was originally just me um uh-huh. and it's actually a really similar job to that I'd done twice before. So the two previous agencies I was at, the one directly before that was a design and build agency that had bought an SEO agency and was trying to squish them together. Um, 
And further, the agency I, I said I joined quite early on. Again, when I joined that, I was the first person doing digital marketing. So I'd had quite a lot of experience with building that. So it was really um, the first thing was making um, like operational processes that work with the design and development team and SEOs. So it's it's making sure that they both like each other, they both understand what they're doing. Um, so you're not building websites and then having someone on the other side of the room going, well, yeah. we're going to have to redo all of this. This is terrible, you know. Um, and again, not having SEO people essentially get in the way of people doing a, a quick, efficient development job with things that aren't really important. Um, so there was a whole kind of education piece around that um, and realigning our kind of offering. So um we've actually we're about to launch our new website like every agency always is but um we talk about making beautiful effective brands and the seo digital marketing side is kind of the effective part of that um so so you have a design and um you know a user experience and design perspective which is everyone wants a nice looking website and for it to you know um extol your brand values and tell people what you're about but at the same time, people don't care about that, or well, business owners certainly, unless it actually does what you want it to do and brings you leads and customers. So that was kind of the effective um, side of things. Um, so yeah, made those processes and then set about trying to hire a team as well to be able to do that. Um, <clears throat> as an agency, we've grown um, very slowly, I'd say, and very purposefully slowly because of the experience I've had at lots of agencies, I've tried to avoid what I think are some of the um, main mistakes that they make. And one of those is definitely growing too quickly, um, mm -hmm. taking on kind of any client that shows an interest in what you do. Um, so we specifically looked at, you know, I don't really want to work with clients that come to us asking us what SEO is and kind of, you know, saying, convince me I should need mm -hmm. SEO. I want to work with people who say, we know what this is. We've come to you because maybe we've heard about you, we've been recommended. What do we need to do? Like they're already on board because um, the former oh, are sometimes very hard to please. Um, yeah, totally, so, totally. I have the same approach, exactly. <laughs> so <clears throat> that led to, um, you know, very steady, but but I would say slow compared to some companies' growth, which I was super happy with. It also gave us time to make sure um, we hired the right people and that they had time to <clears throat> do a good job and understand what they're doing. And like any company, when you grow to five people, to 10, to 15, to 20, you need to start changing processes because processes with five people don't work with 20 people mm -hmm. and you need different software and different um you know levels of management and growing at that speed helped us to do that with the minimum amount of pain <laughs> inflicted on us and 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 clients so the result of that i think is that firstly we've had really really good staff retention over the years which is um i think one of the most important metrics for how an agency is performing like are yeah, people totally. choosing to stay there um and as a knock-on effect if people are generally happy in their job um and generally not you know stressed every day they tend to do a better job for clients um and clients obviously like having the same 
team working with them over a long period you know i think it makes clients uncomfortable if the team working on their account has changed and then they need to explain everything all over again it feels like you're not making progress uh the name candor um i found it's really difficult nowadays to name an agency to find a domain that's not taken that makes any sense that hasn't got like a color in it or you know um Uh so we the name calendar actually popped up because in a lot of the presentations we were doing to clients when we were telling them about us our pitch was essentially around being uh frank and open and honest which is the definition of candor uh, because you you know you've probably seen on my like linkedin and stuff i spend a lot of time trying to squash myths about seo mm-hmm. and challenge people when i think they're saying something that's damaging to businesses because the fact is there is no bar for entry to be an seo essentially anyone could yeah. just say yeah i'm an seo so naturally it means there is a high percentage of people that um don't know what they're doing and either know they don't know what they're doing and don't care and just charge money for it or arguably better or worse people that don't know they don't know what they're doing but carry mm-hmm. on anyway um <clears throat> totally but this just fit very well with us in terms of you know when you come to work with us we'll try and be as upfront as possible about what we think we can achieve um and as i said earlier i think that expectation setting is is critical um because there are some people that come with you know just expectations that aren't possible but someone will say yes i can do that for that yeah. amount of money that time and it's fine go to them you know and you know see what happens kind of thing yeah totally so, um having those kind of painful if you like conversations early on um and just being very real with clients about what we're doing so we're very transparent like we don't um outsource or white label any work it's all done by our team you can speak to them directly um we've got tools that try- clients can jump on and see who's working on what and when so it's just this approach of like you know you can speak to us it's you know it's us that's doing it we're being realistic with the goals um we're very open about what we're delivering you can see links that we've built you know because i've heard all kinds of things about agencies won't even show links yeah, that they've built yeah, for totally. so th- this has been the whole kind of a- approach um and it's worked kind of, i think well for us because again we've just continued to sort of slowly grow and um haven't haven't had to do any kind of advertising or anything like that over the years awesome awesome so one more question about the agency side so for people maybe who are thinking about starting an seo agency what are your main kind of takeaways insights the things you learned maybe the hard way over those last seven seven years (laughs) yeah so i think most people start agencies accidentally um because they start freelance and then they get lots of work and they like work with someone and then suddenly there's three or four of them and they're like hey why don't we start an agency um Mm -hmm. so my advice just in terms of where i've seen other people have issues would be firstly always pay someone to write your contracts that you have with clients and make sure you have contracts um again because i've seen all sorts of things about people not being paid for doing good work um so just having a contract will pay for itself 
Um, and if you do go into business with someone and touch wood, I've been incredibly lucky. Like I've worked, as I said, with John for like seven, eight years. And we, I don't think we've ever really disagreed on anything in that whole time. But we still have a shareholders agreement, which very clearly kind of uh, sorts out if we have a disagreement, what happens. Mm -hmm. So yeah. remember, you, you only need contracts for when things go wrong. So yeah. the rest of the time, you can do whatever you like. You don't have to go by the contract. As long as you're both happy, you can do whatever you like. Same with clients. But I would definitely pay to get those things sorted earlier. Um, I made a mistake once of um, we, we had paid for a contract early on and our services and some bits changed. So I decided I would amend the contract to reflect that. Um, and then there was an issue early on with the client who decided they weren't going to pay. And I'd essentially found out... Um, I had basically invalidated the contract because of my edits. So it didn't, uh -huh. it, it, it didn't kind of add up to what it needed to anymore. So it wasn't actually enforceable. So always pay uh -huh. someone who knows what they're okay. doing to, um, if you're going to mess around with contracts. Um, apart from that, I think it sounded Olga like you're in agreement with this, which is um, even early on, it pays to be a little bit picky about who you're working with. If you do get red flags, um, you know, around expectations or things like that, I would listen to them because in basically every instance where I've had kind of a bad feeling about, hmm, I don't know if this is going to work, it's never worked. Mm -hmm. um, so I would always listen to that and just pass. Something else will come along um, yeah, and totally. you'll, you'll find you can spend more time on good clients then. Because if you get bad clients, you'll spend 80% of your time trying to satisfy the unhappy 20% yeah. and then the the 80% you want to keep you don't have as much time to kind of give them what they deserve yeah totally great insight okay so let's switch to also asked so when did the tool start like how did it all come into being like was it you who created that or like tell me everything <laughs> so um we've been using people also ask data in our SEO campaigns for years and years and years because it's awesome data for a whole bunch of reasons. I think it's probably one of the most overlooked or it has been until recently sources of keyword data. Um, so for, for those maybe that aren't um, kind of haven't used it before, it's, you know, you do a Google search and around 50% of the time you get Google. They've been calling it other things recently, but it's normally called people also ask and then you get a list of normally around four questions, you can click on them and then it will show more yeah. questions related to that question, right? Um, the reason why we found that so valuable was firstly, it's actually one of the fastest updated source of um, search data we can get from Google. So when something happens on the news, for instance, you can see those questions reflected in the search oh. results in PA, sometimes within an hour or two um to you know because there's been a, a shift in search intent which firstly i think is really interesting because lots of other tools it's like there's a there's months of delay like when chat gpt launched and had a million users you could yeah. go to most keyword tools and put it in zero it's like zero yeah it's like it's not zero but the paa data was there within days um the other thing i find interesting about it is um a couple of things firstly the questions are kind of clustered by google so someone's doing a query and Google is essentially telling you these are likely the next 
things this person wants to know. So when it comes to intent, and again, Google's written a lot about this in terms of how many searches it normally takes for someone to answer their kind of full intent, it's a way to enrich your content and make sure you're covering those points. I see it misused a lot where people just take PAAs and just use them as like FAQ question, answer, question, answer. That's not how I use them or really have ever used them. It's more been, we need to cover this in the content in a kind of human way. And I think that approach is actually what's, we've seen some sites hit by the recent helpful content um, Uh system update. And I think one of the patterns I've seen is a lot of that content is very like question, answer, question, answer. They've just been matching up search terms rather than writing it in what could be a, a more helpful way for for users, but still answering those questions. Um, <clears throat> I'm interested to see how that pans out, but that's just a pattern I've seen um, oh, when I've been looking at, <clears throat> at sites that are generally pretty good, but they've, they've, they've taken a hit. <clears throat> um, so we've used that data for a long time. Originally, um, there was a chap named Alessio that had a had a Python script that you could like locally scrape PAA data. And I did a conference talk where I'd covered keyword research and I just demonstrated this command line tool because um, I assumed that most people use this data. And I had a huge reaction after the talk of, wow, where is that? tool how do I use it um and I was like oh this is interesting because I just assumed more people were doing this um and I was helping a few people out with it and then I started getting questions about um you know basically how to use Python and install packages and I realized there's quite a there's actually quite a high bar if you're not like a programmer type to get command line stuff to work that you know you have to set up this virtual environment you need to install requirements and no it's Python 3 not Python 2 so <clears throat> I had a chat with our devs and essentially we got one of the developers at Canda to make a very MVP minimum viable product like online version, which we launched in November, 2019, which was also asked alpha, uh-huh. which is essentially that tool, but online, um, it was free and we kicked it out there. And as far as I'm aware, that was the first tool that did that there wasn't anything else that offered that data um, online. And it was more challenging to do that as a SaaS tool than I expected, because unlike Google Suggest Data, so Google Suggest Data is like what tools like Answer the Public, uh, Answer Socrates, I think it's called, use, yeah. um, Ask Socrates maybe. Um, there's an API for Google Suggest Data. So it's really easy to get hold of. There's no API for uh, People also ask data. Um, So it's a lot more challenging to get that data at scale because Google doesn't like you um, doing that. And the other thing that we did that a lot of tools weren't doing was when we were doing the search, we were um, simulating the clicks on the questions rather than re-Googling the question. And there's a couple of reasons mm-hmm. for that. And something interesting came out of that research, which was if you click on a question after doing a search, the subsequent questions that you generate will be different to if you just re-Googled the first question. Oh, and okay. I think that's got to do with Google understanding where you are 
in that kind of knowledge journey. So if you're, um, say, Googling how to change a car battery and it shows a question around, is it safe to connect this terminal first? And you click it, get some answers. If you start with that question, is it safe to connect this terminal? I think, again, from Google's data, they can see you're maybe kind of further along in that journey. So you want to see different questions to if you started with more basic knowledge. Um, and it gives you more questions with, with clicks. So that was a lot more um, expensive to build it in that way that it could interact with search results. Um, and like many people, so this was our first SaaS tool, my first SaaS tool really um, that had any scale to it. And like everyone I've ever spoken to that's got involved in SaaS tools, it was way harder than I expected uh -huh. it to be. Um, so we didn't release the paid version of Also Asked until March 2023, I think it was. So it took two and a half years of development to get it from an MVP that everyone could use to an actual beta. And we had to shut down the free kind of tool to begin with. Uh, well, not to begin with, after about nine months, because we were getting hundreds of thousands of searches a month. And it was costing us like thousands and thousands of pounds to run a month. Uh -huh. um, so it was completely like, it's great people want to use it, but I can't afford to just <laughs> keep paying for this. Um, so that's when we launched the um, subscription models, which essentially paid for us to have a developer to keep adding features. So since then, um, we've done stuff like today, we launched uh, Google Sheets integrations. We've got the only, we've built an API now for also ask data, and it's the only asynchronous API that exists for this data. So what that means is if you have your own kind of tooling, your own platform, you can now send us um, API requests for people who also ask data in, you know, for like a thousand keywords if you want, and it will send a response back to you when it's done and then deliver the data. There's a synchronous version as well, mm -hmm. um, but it means essentially you can integrate PAA data now with any web tool, web service, any sheet you've got, um, which yeah, wasn't possible for. So it means we can now we're starting to partner with some other tools that need that, that data. So that's essentially given us the funds we need to um, yeah, pay developers to do that and pay for obviously the infrastructure that's needed to to run also asked and it's been really great seeing so it was really popular when it launched we've seen kind of continual uh, growth um, over the year had really really lovely feedback from people and again um, apart from we so we sponsored uh, the women in tech SEO group this year um, so we came on as a partner apart from that we haven't really done any advertising again um, but I've seen it being used in like presentations at Brighton SEO and things like that, which is really great because it's there's no better, in my opinion, advertising or marketing for us than if SEO specialists are like, I'm yeah, using this totally. tool, it's really helpful. Here's the context. Um, so that, that's that been really great. It's bootstrapped. So we haven't had any kind of funding. Um, and again, that's probably reflected in the fact that, you know, maybe we could have grown faster if we had funding and we could do loads of advertising but I'm quite happy with kind of where we are and staying involved um, in the tool. It's actually just three of us uh, from Canada that run everything on Also Asked. Uh -huh. So if you, if you ask support questions on live chat, it's usually me. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think uh, some time ago, yeah, I was using, and I think that something popped up like with your name. I'm not sure if I remember correctly, but yeah, that probably, maybe, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And uh, can you share how many users there are? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I believe at the moment we do around about 100,000 searches a month. I couldn't oh. tell you off the top of my head how many users um, there are. No, um, I'm guessing that probably equates to in the low thousands um, uh -huh. of accounts. Okay, okay. I should probably know things like that. But um, <laughs> I've again, I've taken um, with also asked, you know, we've focused all of our effort on making the tool as good as possible. So although I'm a marketer by you know trade, so I, I maybe should be more interested in like, what's the conversion rate of the site, things like that. I don't actually worry too much about that at the moment because I have limited time to, to work on it. And um, so the rest of the team, we just focus on, you know, we use the our own tool day in, day out. So what features do we want? How are they best integrated? I talk to people in the community. We've got a Discord with like the API people. And it's really just all of my effort is I'm, as long as it's reasonably easy, you know, to understand what it does to sign up, all my effort is make the tool as useful um, as possible, which I think is kind of a similar, I think, similar approach like Ahrefs took. I think I saw them saying, you know, they haven't looked at, conversion rates and analytics for a long while they kind of more uh, product focused um, uh -huh. again that would have to change i think if we had taken funding because then you we have you know yeah. stakeholders that want to hit specific targets and you have to spend then on marketing um whereas we've just been you know my time on it is just is it working is it stable you know what features have we got what do users say they need what have i been asked on live chat and growing it that way and can you talk more about the features? Yeah, certainly. So uh, when we launched, it was essentially you do your kind of search and then you get a um, kind of map of the questions, which is normally your original question, the first four, and then it branches out. Yeah. Um, and you can download that just as an image, which people I think have found really useful to give as additional information to like content writers to help them because it kind of gives you a hint as to what the structure of the content should be and how important and related those questions are. Um, since launch, we've added um, ways to export that data so you can get it as CSV or you can, as I said, you can now uh, get it straight onto Google Sheets. We've added uh, what we call a deep search, which is essentially um, taking that tree one step deeper, which is pretty mad now so if you do like one query you can get around 150 questions now from 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 one query wow. um so if you're like if you're starting higher up on a on kind of a, a topical level it can be a really good way to get a bird's eye view of this is probably what we need to be writing about and there's you know in that probably going to be 20 different articles you can go on and research because that's the interesting thing I, I think again I've discovered about intent which is that intent is not objective meaning the same search term can mean different things to different mm -hmm. people and that's really obvious when you do these deep searches and you zoom out and you see, oh, actually, people searching for this mean something that's not even related to us. So this is the part we need to, to, to focus on. Um, apart from that, um, we have a bulk search. So if you're using tools, say, like 
SEMrush or Ahrefs Systrix, if you export your keywords, you can upload up to a thousand keywords in a zip file in a in a CSV mm. to also asked, and it will just churn away in the background and give you a zip file, which will then contain the CSV exports for every single um, keyword like like I just covered. So again, you upload that, you can get twenty five thousand questions back from from your wow. upload. So again, if you're doing, you know, and we've had quite a lot of interest from sometimes some of the kind of larger companies with big content teams that just want to chuck it into the tool and then essentially they can divide out all of these pretty much like worksheets for everyone to put into their briefs. Um, and then, as I said, the, the API is something we launched about two months ago now again that took a long time um just getting through like security and stuff like that because there's lots of ways to abuse an api i mm -hmm. also found out um but the api is there so we're working with a few people um that um do like keywords in sheets um there's a few of the larger tool vendors that we're talking to to integrate the data now into their um platforms as well it's actually free to try as well. So you don't have to even make an account. If you just go to also ask, you get three searches a day. So if you're just kind of like a casual user, you know, you're maybe just a like hobby blogger or something, it's there for, for people to use as well. Okay, cool. And so what's the pricing for, for the paid version? Uh, so it starts at $15 a month, which is then, um, Basically, you can do a hundred searches a month. So we we operate on monthly like uh, credit allowance. So that means rather than three searches a day, you know, if the typical workload if you're working in SEO is you'll be doing your keyword research and you might do like you know 20, 30 searches and then that's it for the week. So that's basically then just a package designed uh, for that kind of person. So maybe like a freelance SEO. <clears throat> the reason we have to charge for things like that is and the the a common question i get is like why do credits like not carry over month or month and we did experiment with this and it basically it's down to when we get new users sign up uh, we have to expand our like infrastructure to kind of keep querying google um and if we allow people to sign up say get some credits and say they never expire it basically means we have to maintain this infrastructure that could serve everyone at once should yeah. they all wish to serve um but obviously if they don't want to spend those credits and they don't want to stay subscribed we still have to pay to maintain that so it, it just doesn't work so we essentially just have a monthly allowance that people can use and that goes up with the tiers so then there's uh lights which is 29 dollars a month um you get some more features with that so you get the deep search i talked about you get all the csv uh, exports um, and you get more searches a month and then there's a um, like a pro version which is $59 a month um, that gets everything all the other accounts have you get a thousand searches a month you get API access as well which is the the main thing but you also get access so we just launched for the API we do have for the API pay-as-you-go credits so if you have a pro account you get a thousand a month but if you've got a particularly large project and you know you've got twenty thousand keywords you want to go through. You can actually in the back end just buy a chunk of credits up front, and they'll never expire. Because again, we appreciate the way API usage normally happens is there's like a massive spike where someone wants to process 
tens of thousands and then they won't use it again for a while so they've got yeah. that ability um now and again the there's an api like sandbox for F any account to use so you can test um how it works for you and get like dummy um data back so if you want to make sure you know you've got the ability to do it and it works nice and easily that that's there and it's all documented as well okay cool so maybe now let's switch for a second to affiliate marketing are you still doing affiliate sites or was it something you were doing in the past yeah uh no i left my affiliate days long behind me now apart from the odd link i might drop onto um, uh -huh. like some i still have a couple of little content sites that i that i play with um that have like a bit of affiliate stuff but i'm not my old mindset was essentially how can i build a website to make as much affiliate money as possible and yeah. now my it's mindset usually the mindset yeah yeah affiliate, yeah. <laughs> yeah but now the mindset is you know i might have this website because it's something i enjoy writing about i'm interested in and i'll put the odd affiliate link in where it's relevant um so i wouldn't say i like i do affiliate marketing now like that um I think for me, um, going way back, it was like the Penguin and Panda updates that made me shift out of that. So Panda uh -huh. obviously was focused a lot on thin content. Um, so before that, a lot of the affiliate stuff I did was essentially um, just kind of like comparison-y, scraping other data and pulling it together and doing comparisons. So it was just like volumes of pages of um, programmatic content that I had no... Um, you know, I wasn't manually doing any of that. Um, and it provided okay. like razor thin value, arguably. <laughs> um, but it worked really well at the time. And then obviously Panda came along and Penguin, like obviously that destroyed lots of people's sites. And certainly I think affiliate marketers particularly. So I think there's always that divergence in SEO. You see affiliate marketers talking about specific tactics that work. And you see maybe brands and agencies talking more about strategies that don't use those tactics because at the end of the day, the affiliate sites I ran were websites. They weren't brands. All I wanted was the search traffic. I didn't care if anyone knew what my website was called, you know, and they didn't seem to really care. So if my website got banned, it was like, that's annoying, but it's absolutely fine because I can just buy another domain and do the whole thing again. Whereas if you have a brand that you've worked on for 10 years, you know, it's yeah. absolutely tragic if it got, you know, penalized in Google because there's a lot more in that. So I think I saw that shift of Google. I think at the time they said um, brands are the solution to like mm -hmm. search quality. I'm not sure how that panned out, but, um, <laughs> but um, I could certainly see like the wind was changing and it was probably better longer term. Um, and I'd say that's been a trend in my SEO career as well, which is that when I started, it was very much like, what technical trick can I do to win? And how can I rank as quickly as possible? And now, you know, over the years, I'm spent a lot more of my time thinking about, is this the right strategy? Does this align? Well, am I not getting in Google's way of making money, basically? Um, yeah. So I'm kind of aligned with what they're doing. Um, and then placing long bets, which... You know, again, we didn't have any client um, at Canada that was adversely affected by the last core update, spam update and helpful content update. Um, mm. They just kind of continued to march along upwards. One of my own sites was completely decimated by the helpful <laughs> content update. Again, showing these tactics probably aren't the 
the you know things to be doing long term okay and so i need to ask this because like we've been hearing seo is again going to die this time for real what's your take on what's going on with ai with google search generative experience chat gpt and all that stuff how do you approach that yeah it's interesting isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah indeed so i think google's got um google's got a big problem because um, when Google talk about kind of good content, I think, firstly, as searchers, even people working in SEO, I don't think we realize how much spam content is out there. Like, I think the majority of the visible web is probably actual just low, 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 low quality automated spam content. You see it in Google's figures. They normally release annually how many yeah. like trillions of bits of spam they kill. We never get to see it. So I think our view is very much the tip of the iceberg of the web. So it's very easy to judge what Google's doing, not realizing there's, you know, several miles below the waterline of stuff <laughs> that they are actually dealing with. The problem I think they've got now is that they're really good at telling the difference between good and bad content, Google. I think so yeah. gen generally really good. You can always find edge cases. What I think Google is not good at doing is telling the difference between good and great content, which is maybe the difference between, you know, GPT-4 can generate, in a lot of cases, good content. Yeah. Like it reads pretty well. Um, if you have an expert write something, you can probably generate or generate, you write, you know, good, uh, great content. And a, a lay person reader might not even be able to tell the difference between those two if you're if you're not an expert in a subject you know you've probably had it older where you've read something about seo and then you read it and you're like mm, that's not quite right that's not how that works but obviously if someone read it that didn't know about seo it's just kind of like oh okay that's that's fine and i think that's the problem google has now because there's no feasible way at the moment that they could um in a way that's computationally financially viable make that assessment and there's obviously lots of AI content. So that I think is an issue, which is why they're maybe leaning now more heavily into other signals about how content is maybe produced and by who and by brands. Mm -hmm. And again, apart from the pattern thing I mentioned earlier, which I do think exists, I think some of the HCU stuff is around links as well. And whether you are kind of known as a brand and an entity and kind of what that footprint is. So how, how it affects SEO, um, if we break it down to technical SEO, kind of content SEO and um, say links, digital PR, how well you are known online, that digital PR kind of links side, I think will probably be the least affected, affected and maybe um, actually become a bit more important. So that's magnifying who you are as a brand and person essentially. So it may not even be around links per se, but digital PR, I think, might become more important as a signal. Um, yeah. Skipping to the first bit, because it's an easy one to talk about, um, technical SEO, I think, is going to remain just as important. So 10 years ago, I thought technical SEO would become less important because I thought technical SEO is essentially just the gap between what search engines can understand, right? So we're having to help them out. Like, oh, you don't understand this, have an href lang tag. Oh, you don't understand this, poor Google, have a canonical tag. 
oh, you don't understand a trailing slash is exactly the same page. Poor Google have a 301. Like we're helping the systems. Um, But all I've seen over the last 10 years is technical SEO get more important as the web's become more complicated. There's more front end JavaScript stuff going on. Um, You know, the technology's got more complicated. Actually, the search engines struggle to keep up. So I think there's always going to be an element of technical SEO, especially around um, the structured data stuff, possibly. Um, I know Google always says structured data is not kind of a ranking signal. Um, and that makes perfect sense to me, cause, again, because what percentage of all websites have structured data? It's probably very, very low. It's just a few people doing you know, SEO and whatever gets generated automatically by CMSs. Uh, the content thing question, I think, is a lot harder. Um, so we have started using, so Candor as an agency has never produced content for, for clients, right? We've, uh, we give kind of research, we give briefs and we either get clients who we think are experts to write, or we find other writers, um, who are qualified to do that because otherwise it's just us Googling stuff and rewriting it, which is essentially a really slow and efficient version of chat GPT. So there's not a lot of point in doing that. Um, We have started using AI tools, though, to streamline that process. So, you know, large language models are good for some things, right? You've probably seen I've been quite critical sometimes when people use LLMs for things they're not good at, like high-level strategy, like in lots of cases, if it's a generic language model, like anything to do with maths or logic, you know, they're not using logic. It's a probability model. It gets stuff and it's generative. So it has a randomized element. So it gets stuff wrong. What they are good at doing is, you know, large scale text comparisons, uh, summar- summarization of text, translations. So there is lots of stuff um, you can do with them. Like I've seen people um, getting them to like read the like quality rater guidelines and try and apply that to um to web pages at scale which i think is a useful thing to do mm-hmm. even if it's not 100 percent. otherwise it's a very slow human process to do um, i think it absolutely can help you shape your content i think you have to give it information as well so feeding in like keyword data with what you're trying to achieve is important rather than relying again on its probability model because if you rely on its probability model you are by definition going to get middle of the road content you're going to get all the questions everyone else has asked and answered already whereas if you want to start branching out you need to give it something fresh um i saw google's ai chief said it there's a 50 50 chance we're five years out from agi as well which you know yeah if and when that happens i think all bets are off on everything you know seo doesn't even become a concern anymore um but yeah we'll have to see where that goes but yeah it's um i think there's definitely it's another inflection point where there is big opportunity to just speed up what you're doing i don't necessarily think it threatens um people's jobs to me i see it in a way well in terms of seo i see it as a way of how we change from mailing letters to email. It means you can get more done. Um, it certainly doesn't mean, oh, AI can do the job. We can all go play Frisbee now because unfortunately that's not how capitalism works. It just means they'll be able to um, grind more out of you as a human. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it's, my, it's my bleak outlook, you know. That's my hope, you know. If, if we do get artificial general intelligence and it can do all the work for us, we can just go and play Frisbee. I would be completely that up for be. that. I'm, I'm yeah, fine yeah, me too. That. 
<laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, so one of the final questions, what does your normal day look like? That is a normal good SEO day. Yeah. Yeah. So because I'm between a few different companies, so I normally um, have a couple of meetings um, with some of the teams at Canda. So my main involvement now at Canda is with SEO strategy. So we've got a full SEO team. So I normally talk to clients, get an idea of what they want to achieve. And then with discussion with the team, help them form, this is the approach we should take. This is what we should be doing. Um, help answer any kind of questions, development stuff within the team, do their training. I do our most of our kind of social media stuff as well, helped by uh, Jack, who I know you know within, mm -hmm. our, within our team. Um, sometimes do the podcast with him. Uh, look at also asked what we need to change with that help with the planning there um get feedback uh help with the e-commerce business um we've got the internal team working on that as well um, but again i'm normally be doing something on the site there we run other content sites and experiments as well that i oversee that we try and feed back into the team um, and then just all the stuff that comes with running a company so it goes from looking at financial forecasts to you know where strategically we should be heading as an agency like what we just discussed with ai and how we should be changing what we're doing um to making sure staff are happy which is probably actually my primary goal at canada like my primary thing above everything else is um are people working here happy and you know if not why are they getting training are they being able to kind of do the things they want to do, um, which is really important. So, you know, I encourage people um, to look for other jobs um, <laughs> based on the fact that I say to them, if you see another job and you think, oh, I would quite like that job, come and talk to me about why you like the look of that job. Is it because you're doing something else there? Is it because of pay, anything like that? Because normally, because it's our company, we can do what we like. There's normally a way to weave that in. So we had, for instance, someone that was doing SEO for us for quite a while. And actually they said they wanted to get more into development. So we looked at changing their role because um, we didn't have a, like an official person doing it between the developer and SEO team. So like when we're doing new site builds, they're in charge of the communication and when stuff needs to happen mm -hmm. between those. We've also got um, like SEO plugins that we built for some CMSs that need coding. So there's always like a way to, to help people fulfill that and you know i understand it's not a cult uh people will leave and that's fine um and so if someone does you know decide they want to go somewhere else um again if they let me know i can help them get the best possible deal with their new company give them a good counter offer or something um, yeah, awesome. and it's just good for both of us because then we can we can plan for it um so yeah it, it's pretty random what i do during days great interviews like this um it's always fun talking to other SEO is mm -hmm. people in the industry. Yeah, cool. Okay, so where can people find you? I know you publish unsolicited, unsolicited SEO tips on LinkedIn, right? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that question would have been really easy a couple of years ago because I would have said Twitter. Um, yeah. I think Twitter is changing now, apart from the fact I got banned from it. Um, but you for, have a new account now, right? Um, that's the word on the street. I mean, technically, I'm not allowed to do that, but there is someone called Mark Kander on Twitter who's really similar to me um, uh -huh. that you can follow. But yeah, uh -huh. I, I'd say I'm mainly on LinkedIn now. Um, I'm the only 
Mark Williams Cook, I think, on the web. So if you just Google me, you'll find where I'm currently uh, screaming. Can you share why you have been banned? Um, I don't know. Um, oh, I got okay. I got an email um, from the uh, Twitter team saying the account was suspended for breaking their spam policies. I don't know what I would have done to do that. Um, <laughs> you can like lodge an appeal, and I did that twice, and then with a three month interval and never heard anything back and i've heard similar things from other people i think they had like a wave of algorithmic like type bands hmm. but um you know the account i think was like 16 years old so however they weight their algorithm yeah. like my, my advice to them if they're listening is maybe like if an account's been going for 16 years or something yeah. like that could maybe weight against maybe it's not a bot um but yeah hmm. they never told me why they were upset with me but i'm kind of okay with it um twitter like the seo community on twitter i think it's changed quite a lot now yeah and i have seen more people moving to linkedin which is okay it's got its pros and cons um yeah i'm in, in a few slack groups as well which i've got quite a lot of um friends in and that's a nice place to kind of keep up with the industry now as well um because it you know social media can be really noisy yeah. so having a few more focused conversations with smaller groups of people has been helpful especially if you want like some uh, second opinion or advice about specific things. Mm -hmm. And on Discord, do you also use Discord? For uh, so I don't use Discord really for SEO. We set up um, an also asked Discord. Yeah. Um, and that was just because uh, I really hated Slack's pricing. If you like start getting loads of users, it becomes like incredibly expensive. Um, mm -hmm. So we just put it on Discord. But no, um, I, apart from kind of mid journey and some video gaming stuff, I don't use Discord that much. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there is there some Discord stuff I should know about that's going on? I, I don't know yet. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was just like thinking okay. about it. Yeah, because I don't use Slack, and this is also something on my to do list, and that uh, maybe I should start using it. But I, I don't know if I have time for that. <laughs> yeah, right. That is it. That is the other thing. I mean, yeah, there's a few like Slack servers I'm in that I've just muted. Um, it can be pretty destructive of your time because it's so asynchronous. So you'll be doing something and you get a notification and then you get yeah. sucked in and you've lost another 20 minutes. Yeah, or an hour. Or an hour. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. Okay, Mark. So thank you. Thank you so much for being my guest. This was a really insightful conversation. And um, yeah, and I hope I can have you on again in the future. I also was uh, was a guest on uh, on your podcast a while ago with with uh, with Jack, from what I remember. So I will put a link to that in the description and to the and to where people can can follow you and and follow your tool brilliant thank you so much it's been a pleasure yeah thank you thank you everyone and see you in the next episode bye bye